Monday, 9 o'clock, time for Occam's Razor. We're up to episode 35. I'm Jim Birchall. We're coming to you live tonight, East FM 88.1, 107.1, coming to you from historical Howick, where it's a, well, it's a little bit chilly. We're out in the middle of winter, and I've got a couple of special guests on the show from hauntednz.com. Uh, first up, Karen. Hi, how are you? Welcome to the show. Thanks, Jim. Hi, I'm good, thank you. No worries. And Barbara, a friend who's been on the show before and has decided that the first time wasn't that bad that she couldn't make a second appearance. <laughs> how are you, Barbara? I'm good. Thank you, Jim. No worries. Um, now, before we get to tonight's main theme, um, well, it's obviously on Ghost, given we've got two investigators from uh, hauntednz.com here. Um, we, You guys have done a recent, couple of recent investigations I've seen on um, maybe filtered through Facebook. Facebook mm-hmm. at two unnamed locations. I know you can't always name uh, places. <laughs> n- not not everyone who wants to get in the house investigator wants to be uh, in the press, so to speak, do they? So what can you tell us about those and, and you know, what sort of results did you get? So we've, uh, we've got a couple of videos on our Facebook page from um, recent investigations that we've done. Uh, what's, your, the- what's your on Facebook? Uh, so if you just look us up, Haunted New Zealand on Facebook, yep. you'll find our Facebook page. Uh, and what we like to do is, is produce video reports of our investigations. So it's all very well as paranormal investigators rocking up to a location and, and doing the work. But for us, it's really important to share our findings with the people who like our page and the people that are interested in the paranormal. So in order to do that a little bit differently, we like to um, compile all of our findings, um, our potential evidence, um, the things that we get into a video report so that people can um, really kind of get the immersive experience of as if if they're being there with us. Do you do any live streaming as well? Yeah, we actually started doing that for the first time at the weekend. We were investigating a haunted location north of Auckland. Uh, It was a beautiful historic colonial building uh, and we actually did our first live streams from there this weekend. So that's something that we intend to continue and do a bit more of. Um, But we've got video reports on there at the moment from a a haunted hotel. Uh, kind of in the middle of the North Island. and I think uh, I've actually seen that one. Um, there's, there was a little bit of activity there, wasn't there? Was there? A, yeah, there, yeah. Was a, there was a there was a nice a nice investigation. Yeah. Um, we've got a good one on there as well from Napier Prison as well. So that, so that is really quite exciting. It's definitely worth checking out. No, that's that's quite notorious for being haunted, isn't it, Napier Prison? Oh goodness, yeah. yeah. Lots and lots of things have happened at Napier Prison. It's um, it's basically one of the most haunted places in New Zealand. Um, it, it Napier Prison even calls themselves that. Do they? Um, absolutely. And I would agree with that. It, it definitely seems to have a lot of activity. Yeah. Um, are we talking apparitions? Are we talking EMF? Are we? Is it cold spots, door knocks, uh, people walking? What are we going? We are talking absolutely everything. Yeah. We are talking black mists that seep into rooms and and basically overcome people. Um, you mean physically overcome? Physically overcome yep. people to the point where um, where they they basically pass out. Um, this is what visitors have told us. What what staff and visitors have told us that yep. hasn't happened to an investigator at all. When was it last an active prison? 
Um, I should actually know that. I think it was about 19... In the 1980s. Okay, so about 40 years or so. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, probably even later than that, maybe 1990s. Maybe the 1993. 93, was it? Okay. So it wasn't, it was, it's actually New Zealand's oldest prison. um, And it's one of the very few places in New Zealand where you can actually see where the Napier earthquake went through. Because the whole building (laughs) is buckled and twisted. The ceilings are all sort of out of shape and the walls are all buckled and the doors don't close. And and one of the uh, wardens there, one of the prison officers actually commented at one stage and said, if you slam a door... I mean, the whole place would just fall down. And <laughs> there were still prisoners there at the time. Plain devil's advocate, as I like to. Mm. The fact that the joinery was all out of shape and stuff like that, is this contributing to, to doors opening and alleged paranormal activity, in, in your opinion? I don't, I think, I mean, as, as an investigator, you have to take a, a pragmatic approach to it. And, sure. and a lot of our team have a scientific background. I mean, I'm a scientist myself. I, I studied biological sciences at Oxford. Um, so we, we don't immediately jump to the conclusion of everything being paranormal. You have to account for things like that, that things might be a little bit wonky sure. in, in historic buildings. Um but having said that, I don't think that you can explain everything that's been experienced there by what, the by the weird architecture. <laughs> what um, gives it its reputation? Just the amount of activity, or the sort of uh, the level? You know, have people seen full body sort of apparitions, or what's happened? I think it's the sheer range of activity and and the number of people, the number of different groups of people who have actually uh, experienced activity there. The building was used for the television series Redemption Hill and there was um, reportedly some very weird activity happened to one of the girls there. Um, She was supposedly lifted up off her bed and spun horizontally 360, dropped back down to her onto her bed, and there are witnesses who who insist that they saw that. There is, I mean, to me, one of the really weird ones is that black mist yep. that seeps into areas. People are touched. There have been apparitions seen. Um, people have been, when it was a backpackers, people have reported being strangled in their beds. Um, someone putting their hands over the uh, hand over their mouth and telling them not to move. Um, they had it's foots, the usual things, footsteps, shadows being seen, strange winds and voices being heard. Um, people have, you know, known things to be thrown. Just the whole general feeling of unease in the building has been commented by a number of different groups of people. Yeah. We had an experience when the team was there. Um, we were we were doing a communication session in one of the rooms, uh, which is currently set up as an escape room because they do various activities yeah, in, sure. in Napier Prison. And uh, we, we were trying to make contact uh, within that room, uh, supposed to be particularly active. And we had an experience where a, a torch started flickering on and off. So obviously we did the sensible thing. We checked the torch. We knew it had new batteries. We made sure it didn't have a loose connection. And it 
seemed to be going on and off in response to um, spoken requests. You know, please, you know, yeah. flash the light if, you know, whatever. So I responded to stimulus. It, it seemed to be yeah. responding to stimulus. Now, you know, we can't guarantee that that was paranormal activity, but it's just, you know, like another thing where you can say, okay, well, you know, that was really interesting. We actually had one of the ladies who works at the prison who was holding the torch at the time. Um, and actually we did then take it off her and put it on a flat surface so we could rule out, you know, the human involvement, whether that mm. was um, deliberate or accidental. Um, she was actually taken ill after after that happened. So, um, yeah, it was interesting. She'd never had a reaction like that, but um, whether that was another influence of G- the paranormal. Given it's a large facility that was built to accommodate and, and obviously um, keep people in, not out, um, there'd be a high uh, level of electricity. You know, there's there's going to be generators there and stuff like that. Did was there any EMF spikes around around those areas? Jim, it's actually a very small prison. Is it? Actually, yeah, it's, it's tiny. It's a very small complex. <laughs> am I thinking? Am I thinking Mount Eden? <laughs> no, yeah. I? Okay. Sorry. It's a very small complex. Um, I suspect. Perhaps sixty prisoners, a total of sixty oh, okay, prisoners. Sure. I think it was really it was, a small yeah. kitchen, yeah. like a small <laughs> kitchen at the back. Um, there's no big generators or anything. Okay, like that. It's, it's a very no, there's primitive, it's primitive wooden. But in fact, while we were there, it's wooden. It's, it's not oh stone. my goodness. Okay, and, well, and this honestly, it's, it's okay. not even particularly secure. I have to tell you, sure. the ladies that worked there told us um, stories of when it was in in use as a prison that. Uh, uh, there was one evening uh, that the prison guards had gone off shift and they'd gone into the local town for a drink and they bumped into some of the prisoners at the local prison. <laughs> so they would actually just escape from the prison, go out for the night and actually climb back in <laughs> before the morning. So, uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, something we do actually have to mention is that, um, shout out to Napier Prison. Shout out. They do do... Um, they do audio tours at the moment where you can go along and just look through the whole place. They also do nighttime ghost tours, which um, will be starting again shortly. Once again, they're going to be an audio tour. But, hey, if you watched our um, our video before you go, you'll learn lots about it and then do their audio tour. And they are, um, yeah, they, they're kind of feeling a little feeling it a little bit post-COVID. So yep. if people want to go along and have a look, yeah, go for definitely it. Really I wouldn't mind offering them my custom because um, i got a few weekends sort of free until the summer, so I'm like, may- maybe I head down. Maybe, we'll, ta- coast, maybe you know? we'll take you down there, Jim. Perhaps Why not? we can do an investigation there together. Absolutely not. You're the first person who's invited me on an investigation. We'd love to take you. Wow. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, hey, I've got nothing else Mm -hmm. on, you know, COVID and all that. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now, Barbara, you've sort of investigated, um, well, all over the world. You can see you're an international uh, paranormal investigator. Yes. It has. Tell me about your favouritest thing you've ever done, if that's a... It's not a word, is it? <laughs> my, luckily, my husband, I mean, he knew even before we met, you know, before, before we married, that I was Well, if he knew before you met, that'd be, that'd be yeah, something, well, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, no, he knew that um, paranormal investigation was pretty high on my list of things that I love to do. So he fully understands that when we go on holiday anywhere, even if it's to Australia or the Pacific Islands, um, that I, I have to investigate anywhere that may, may be haunted. 
um, so when we did Route 66, we went to the States a couple of years ago now. On my list of to-dos was um, the Waverly Hills Sanatorium. Yep. We did the Grand Hotel, which yep. Ghost Adventurers had done um, a couple is, of Is that our friend Zach Baggins? Yes. Everyone I've spoken to that does ghost investigations <laughs> and so forth just, just basically gives me the hex like that. Yeah. <laughs> Is he that bad, is he? Um, well, he was good. When, oh, can we be done for slang? No. no. Um, he was really good. I really, really enjoyed watching his um, adventures, the, the ghost yep. adventures, basically, when he started. The first couple of series were not to be missed. It was awesome. It was interesting. It was entertaining as well. It was a little bit, yeah, not really sure about that, but I'll give Give him up because he just looks really great. Yeah. Um, but as time went on, he they've just got sillier and sillier. His team members, a lot of his team members have actually left because they obviously realise they look like idiots every yeah. time he gets possessed. Yeah. And um, and now he's just kind of a, almost a joke amongst paranormal investigators worldwide almost. Because I've always... You know, I was juggling with with that um, with the fact that you know there is a bit of jealousy in, in um, the paranormal community if someone's succeeded and got a big TV show that goes all syndicated all around the world and stuff like that. You know, they're going to have haters, they're going to have detractors, right? I think but, but, not even just with the paranormal. I think well, well, exactly right. But with yeah. with um, with this guy, there seems to be this genuine belief that he's just sort of taking the piss. I think it's really tough when you when you when you end up with a TV show and, yep. and coming from the UK. Obviously, I used to watch Most Haunted in sure. England. I used to love Kath. Kath. Remember the assistant Kath? Kath? And she, she used to get the most scared out of everyone. Oh, oh. Yeah. Like, she was yes. the first to freak out. Oh, my goodness. Show. I remember Yvette and her husband. Yeah. And then that... that um, the psychologist that they had on there. And Karen O'Keefe. That's uh, it, yes. My yeah. husband and I just remember the, mm. watching this episode of him running away from a building and he was convinced that he was being pursued <laughs> by an entity. And there was a point at which he went, it's got me. <laughs> and we were just falling about laughing. Yes. I think I think the danger with a TV show like that is there's, a, and when it runs for multiple series, is that you move away from being pragmatic about it and looking yeah. at it scientifically. And there is a, a pressure on you to be entertaining and to have results. Particularly and if it has as many series as Most Haunted or looking at something like uh, Finding Bigfoot, you know, they've had mm-hmm. they've had 10 seasons to find them so far and nothing <laughs> happens. But yeah. people keep coming back on, you know, <laughs> with the expectation they're going to gonna bump into them. But that's right. That's to right. date, nothing. Exactly. I mean, as investigators, you know, Haunted New Zealand are all about integrity. We're never going to actually manipulate findings. Anything that you see on our videos is genuine. So that's your point of difference in an Instagram world, though, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, if we don't find anything, we're not going to report anything. We don't find Um, anything. No, I mean, we'll, pre- we'll present things that we capture, you know, if it's a light anomaly or an EVP, we're not going to represent that as being paranormal, but yeah. we might show it to you and let your mind, let you make your own mind up on that. Yeah. Um, but And that's the same with virtually any paranormal and you know, evidence. Mm. Um, a, a lot of it, we can't prove it. Nobody actually knows what the paranormal is. We can say that something happened and we can give our opinion on what we think it may be, but there's no way that anyone can say it's paranormal because mm. there's always other other 
possibilities. And everything's up for peer review as well. And uh, until, you know, you had the funding to get 100 scientists looking at something. Hmm. Um, the problem is that it, it just isn't an exact science, Jim. You know, yeah, they're, they're, you're right. They're, you know, <laughs> would, you even, would you call it a developing science or would you say this, th- there's nothing there at I all? I just don't. You know? To be perfectly <laughs> honest with you, I just think that there's nothing there at all. And, th- and the problem is that people who are qualified scientists, you know, whether they're um, quantum physicists, which I personally believe leads into the paranormal yeah. or, you know, just normal physicists or parapsychologists, I I just don't think that there is enough proven science to be able to evaluate potential evidence or captures in a genuinely scientific way because nothing can be replicated in scientific conditions. So, you know, you, you can look at quantum physics and we can say, oh my goodness, you know, it looks like time might travel backwards or it looks like, you know, atoms might be linked across the universe and if we change one thing, we change another, or we can know that the act of observation can change the outcome of what you're looking at. But there's no real way of actually linking that into what we call the paranormal. My personal belief is actually that the paranormal is normal. It's just that science doesn't have a way of explaining it just yet. So It's a nice way to look at it. Yeah. Mm. I'm I'm pretty much on the fence still. Hence why I do a show that sort of, you know, get, gets a lot of different opinion coming on the show. Yeah. And we did you hear the episode we did with the skeptics, a uh, guy from Craig from New Zealand Skeptics no, a few weeks back? No, 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 tell me. Um, yeah, well, Craig, well, he was actually a very open-minded guy. If you're listening, Craig, hi, how are you? Thanks for coming on. Um, and I, I went into it given um, the reputation of skeptics with, I went into it with skepticism, shall we? Pun <laughs> intended. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but he was really good and he was much of the same sort of train of thought as you in that because the science hasn't been done or there isn't science to do science on, it's very difficult to come up with a determination. But he was open-minded to the fact that anything's possible if if, uh, if it can be proved. Well, the thing is that, I mean, one of the really good paranormal investigator can be a sceptic and sure. I know several investigations who uh, investigators who are total sceptics and it's great I think most teams should at least have one sceptic because it keeps everyone open and fresh mm. and um, who's, who's the Renee from Finding Bigfoot on your team? <laughs> <laughs> I think actually we all have a bit of sceptic in us. I think we, mm-hmm. Amy is a sceptic. Amy, yeah. yeah she, she's probably sceptical. the most sceptical person. Yeah. But we mm. are, we, we actually really, um, everybody has a thing called cognitive bias. And yep. so if you go into an investigation expecting anything, whether it be positive or negative, that's what we're going to expect and that's what we're going to find, if, unless you're aware of it. So we all are very, very, very careful to make sure that we actually have a certain amount of scepticism and a certain amount of, yes, it might be paranormal. How does the cognitive bias come in with things like pareidolia and, and you know, you're, you, we were talking about a shadow before that was crawling well, in and out of rooms exactly, and stuff like that. that. That's exactly what it is, you know. Yeah. I mean, if you're expecting to see something like that, you have got more chance of seeing something like that. Okay, you were talking about Waverly Hills um, before. Yes. Now, I did um, 
a tour of Waverley Hills. And Waverley Hills, sorry, just to interrupt, it's kind of the, um, it was a TB hospital, wasn't it? And it no, Waverley was Hills it? was oh. actually... I'm a, not doing very well tonight, am I? <laughs> it's fine, it's Haunted fine. location. <laughs> I'll tell you about Waverley Hills. Waverley Hills is in Louisville in Kentucky, okay. and it was actually built in 1910 as a um, as a TB hospital. And it was originally just a small building, and but, but 1926 they built it into this absolute absolutely beautiful gothic um it's actually architecturally renowned mm-hmm. building um and it had like um lovely bricked concreted porches and they would put the the patients out onto them every day and but anyway anyway i did a, a ghost tour of this which included an overnight investigation of so that's that's, that's kind of their industry thing. now there or? That is, that's exactly because it's kind of the holy grail in, in a way of, is, of locations is. isn't it yeah <laughs> but um so myself and the guide are walking down the hallway and she obviously thought i was a being a bit sceptical. So she sort of stops and says, can you see that at the end of the hallway? Um, no. (laughs) She's like, surely you can see that big shadow. It's at the end of the hallway. And I'm like, um, no. And so she turned to someone else and said, can you see that big shadow at the end of the hallway? And they're like, oh, yes. Of course. They've been led to believe that that's a shadow. So, I mean, clearly their bias was that they were going to see these Mm. things. They were going to see a shadow. I was hoping to see something, but... I was very careful not to be biased. I wanted to remain um, critical in my thoughts and to actually almost inspect what I was thinking before sort of agreeing with anything. Or sure. And so while other people saw the shadow, I was looking in the same place and there was no shadow. It was the power of suggestion was mm. definitely something that the guide was using on this particular tour. Now, uh, Karen, I know your background um, involves uh, dabbling in the what's the word I'm looking for in the arts. The, You're looking for witchcraft. Jim. Is, it, is yeah. it? I don't know what the popular <laughs> term is now. So it's okay. It's okay. Dabbling. Yeah, I. I more I, than yeah. dabbling. Okay. It's more than, yeah, I, I wouldn't say dabbling. No, I. I am um, an admitted bona fide um, Wiccan witch. So I I have been initiated into a Wiccan coven. I do have a verifiable lineage, which leads back to Gerald Gardner in the UK. Um, Gerald Gardner was the man who founded modern Wicca in the 1950s. Um, And so then obviously um, he he initiated and there is then a, a, a progression of high priests and high priestess who were um, initiated as a result of that. So I can I can trace my lineage back to him. Sure. And, but how does that sit with the uh, sceptical scientific way you look at um, look at ghost investigations, That's for instance? That's a really great question, Jim. Mm. Glad you asked me <laughs> that. Um, I, I'd have to take you back to, to my childhood, really. Um, mm-hmm. we, obviously, I, I, you probably tell from the accent, I grew up in England And when I was six years old, I moved into a house that my parents built. And so it was a brand new house. Now, common sense tells you that you wouldn't expect that a brand new building would be haunted. However, (laughs) um, my experience tells me otherwise. Now, that the house was built on um, about an acre of land. 
There was a, a windmill in the garden. It was a derelict windmill. It was about 200 years old. Nice. Um, now as a six-year-old, I don't really have much understanding of yeah, you know, sure. history, sure. <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, there was a couple of old barns. When they were digging the foundations of the house, obviously being in England, it was a brick-built house. They dug foundations, poured concrete, built the house on top. When they were digging the foundations, they found a well, which ended up kind of about where the kitchen sat. Now, growing up in that house, I lived in that house from the age of about six until I was 19. And I had so many paranormal experiences in that house. And I think that was really what opened my eyes to the fact there was something out there which was beyond, you know, what we can um, usually, you know, see and touch and feel and hear and sense, uh, that there was something more to that. And I think that really... Um, even though I was being raised as a Roman Catholic, you know, my mum took me to church and, sure. uh, and, and that was kind of the um, religious upbringing that I had. It never really sat right with me. Um, it didn't fit what was kind of my formative spiritual experiences. So I, I always felt that I was looking for something more than that, something that really encompassed the experiences that I had in that house, which, you know, were, were many. You know, we had objects that would um, disappear and then reappear um, and then actually reappear when you asked for them to reappear because you got sick of looking for whatever it was that you'd lost. Uh, I saw apparitions in that house. I actually did my first cleansing in that house, <laughs> believe it or not. I swear to you. That there was a massive landing uh, in the in the property from which all the bedrooms came off upstairs. It was a two story house, and my sister and I were playing on this landing. We were only little, and I could see we could both see my bedroom from where we were playing, and there was this really dark, darker than the shadows shape that we could see moving around in there. We both knew that there was something in my bedroom, and I'm three years older than my sister, and. We were both freaked out by what we could see in this room. The lights were off, but, the, you know, clearly there was something going on in there and, and we weren't happy about it. And so I kind of stepped into my big sisterly role. Did you ever watch Hong Kong Fooey? Sure. <laughs> You've seen Hong great Kong Fooey. Yeah. Okay, great. So I, I, I did my first cleansing by throwing myself Hong Kong Fooey style with one leg extended in through the bedroom door while ye yelling, Hey, <laughs> at this apparition that we could see in the bedroom, whereupon it completely dissipated and life went back to normal. But I would have to say you had had a bit of uh, gumption about you at that age if you're if you're karate kicking Ghosts, apparition. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not the usual sort of response. <laughs> well, you know, I, I I think it was just that protective urge of being, you know, the eldest sibling. It, it fell to me to protect her. So you know, sure, I I. I I put my own life on the line to say. <laughs> did you, now we hear a lot about children um, seeing shadow people and apparitions a lot more than adults. A lot of that can be put down to the fact they're children. Did you witness the same um, once you got sort of, um, you know, into your teenage years and stuff like that? Did you witness the same apparitions or similar or the same level of activity? Yeah, interestingly enough, uh, I did. But my parents didn't. So my sister and I had, um, we had separate experiences in that house. Um, we also had uh, shared experiences in that house where we saw the same thing, just as the Hong Kong Fury episode that I described to you. Mm. Um, but yeah, that, that did continue until I was yeah, 19 years old and I left the house. Uh, I think it was when I was doing my GCSEs on my A-level. So I was 
you know, somewhere between, I don't know, 16, 18 years old. I, I don't think I'd gone to university at that time. It was Christmas Day. And I'd gone upstairs. I was walking across the landing, um, heading from my parents' bathroom back across to my room. And I saw my sister coming upstairs and walking into her room. And it was peripheral vision because it was, you know, it was a big landing. And uh, so anyway, I'd I'd gone into my room and I, I started calling for my sister. I was calling her name. She was ignoring me. I was calling it louder, repeatedly. She kept ignoring me. I was getting quite annoyed. So I went back down the stairs and I found my sister um, sitting on the sofa, cuddled up to my gran, who'd come over for Christmas Day. And I said, I was just calling you. Why, you know, you're ignoring me. What's going on? And she said, what are you talking about? I said, well, you just went into your room and I was upstairs and I was in my room. But, you know, you weren't, you weren't. She said, I didn't go upstairs. Well, it turns out nobody had been upstairs. Well, I'd seen a shadow at the corner of my eye, going up the stairs, literally to the extent that I knew that it had its hand on the handrail of the stairs before it headed into her room. I couldn't tell you what that was. Is there, would you put that down to some sort of projection of the living or would you put it down to just you were mistaken and you saw a shadow figure or some sort of other entity and and made the connection that it was it had to have been your sister because there was no one else around? I mean, I definitely assumed it was my sister because it yeah. was heading into her bedroom. I don't... I mean, yeah, with the benefit of hindsight, who knows what it was. I I get the feeling that there were at least two separate things, entities, ghosts, whatever they happened to be in that house at the time. I mean, it didn't really have any real awareness of the different types of entities that you might encounter at that age. So as you say, it was a new or newish house, wasn't it? It was you brand say? new. Was I brand mean, new. we literally, okay. my parents built it and we moved in after it. So there's some sort of, we're heading towards an association with the well or something like that, aren't we? Or, I, I don't know. I mean, there was two. Because it won't be with the building, obviously. No, it? it must no. be to do with the land. And I, I think that's probably common to a, 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 a lot you, of places. Barbara, when you investigate... Um, Oh, it's actually, I was going to ask about castles, but I'm probably, have you done much looking around castles in the UK and stuff like that? No, not at all. Okay, well, what I'm getting at is, you know, you go into castles, big stone walls, blah, 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 but the connections quite often um, in terms of if there is such a thing as psychic energy, Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of that's more to do with the the land that castles build on because otherwise people would not be seeing replays of the past from hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before that castle was built. So do, do you think... This energy, it's got to be harnessed somewhere, doesn't it? And I don't think it's always it in the buildings. Does. There's definitely some sort of a trigger. I mean, these mm. these um, these apparitions that replay over and over over the years. Yeah. I mean, the the theory is that it's a stone stone tape type apparition that it's not mm. actually there. It's just like a video that's been some trigger. And of course, if we knew the trigger, it would be awesome as a paranormal <laughs> investigator. Because that's that's kind of the theory I tend to follow the most. Yeah. If I had to pick one. Um, just because you know it's it's imprinting itself in its environment. But, but and the thing with with these um, that that particular type of residual energy is that they won't have any any um, interaction with anyone watching, and they they appear to not even realise that you are there. Whereas you get the mm. intelligent hauntings, where the the spirit or energy or ghost, whatever you really like to call it, seems to do something different each time. Yeah. They might, you know, walk into one room and and walk at, you know walk around the house, um, and it's not something that they're just replaying over and over again. Did you guys see that footage? Um, 
I reckon we're going back about two years. It was a castle in North, maybe somewhere like Durham, maybe Durham Castle or something like that in the UK, and there's a galloping horse and a ghost on it, and it basically happens for a few seconds and then it kind of repeats again. Have you seen this footage? I haven't seen that footage. But now, I I, I'm not quite, because it was pretty good when I first saw it. It basically looked like a phantom horseman galloping up the um, mm. entrance to the castle, effectively. I mean, if it's CGI, it's good. It's good CGI. Um, the video kind of disappeared, which concerns me a little bit, but it was on the Daily Mail, so I'm going to give it nine out of ten. Let's ignore it. <laughs> it's going nine out of ten. Shall we? The, da- the Daily Fail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 But if it was in The Guardian, would you believe it? You know? Not necessarily, no. No, no definitely. <laughs> Not today's no. garden. Well, I mean, we view everything with a degree of scepticism. And, and, you know, even within the team, we've got a range of people who have different religious and spiritual beliefs. So we kind of almost hold each other to account. Yeah. Um, because everybody is, you know, as, as Barbara was saying, with cognitive bias, we all process the information through our own intellectual filter, if you like, through the filter of the sum total of our own experiences and our beliefs, which we hold even if we're not aware of them. So to have a mixture of people to examine the same piece of, you know, video footage or audio recording or a Mm. photograph, it's really useful to be able to, yeah, hold each other to account, to filter it through different... How how often do you get um, people concurring on, on what they've seen or heard or felt? Um, Obviously, you're in different parts of the house usually, aren't you, yeah. or, or building? Or we, we can concur on what we've seen. We can usually absolutely agree on what we've seen mm. or what we've heard. It's the explanation for what we've seen yeah. or heard that often causes a little bit of discussion or debate. And I think as a team, it's one of the really important parts of of working with a team is to be open enough to actually not only listen to what your teammates are saying, but to actually take it on board and and try and actually lose your bias towards Constructive criticism. Yeah. 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 Criticism. Critical thinking. Critical thinking, yeah, absolutely. But to be open enough to actually take that on board and not just give it lip service, you know. But that's why you have a mixture of people in a team like that, Absolutely. don't you? Absolutely, definitely. Because mm-hmm. everyone's good, at, good at something, but also you're going to have what five or six different opinions, aren't yeah. you? Mm. Which is great. You know, it's what you need. So it's really hard if you get, yeah. I mean, if you've got one who just absolutely no, this is it, and, yeah. and I'm not changing my my, <laughs> you know, the way I think. But I guess that's what makes a team, you know. Yeah. It's, yeah, you've got all the different personalities and the different styles. But I, I think, think everybody seems to be team, quite open-minded are, and flexible, don't they, in yeah. our team? And everybody's I, – I, I mean, I know that I have quite a forceful personality, so I try not to – I often ask for opinion before I give mine because I don't want to colour other people's opinion mm. with my own points of view mm. um, because I have, you know, strongly held – um, beliefs about certain things. Mm. Sometimes I will ask for other opinion before I before I say what I think. But we've also learned to do that with our followers as well. You know, yeah. we will. I mean, we our followers are part of our team as well, and we we would love to know what they think. As you, well. you got a ton of followers, didn't you? Have Forty odd grand or something? Yeah, yeah. So so uh, I think it's over forty three and a half thousand. Jeez, we, yeah. we include them. Right. We act, we <laughs> do include them in our investigations. Yep. Um, 
we do those videos, which of course f- followers love to see what we're doing and what evidence or possible evidence we found. And like I said, we include them. We actually ask them what they think of this video and, you know, what do you think of this? And, and I think they just, most people have got a little bit of paranormal investigator in them. Yeah. And they just love being part of the team. Well, everyone loves a ghost story, don't they? Yeah, no, exactly. Mean. And we don't even need to present it as a ghost story. I no. mean, um, Kim posted a lovely bit of video that she'd taken uh, the other day on a, a private investigation that she'd done. And that we had done. That, that we had done, <laughs> sorry. And, um, yeah, I mean, she didn't present it as, you know, here's, here's a video of, um, you know, evidence of the paranormal. She just literally said, look, you know, here's a video with a light anomaly on it. What do you think? What do you think this could be? And, you know, that's... that's pre- Was that the butterfly-looking one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's odd. Yeah, it, it was strange because, you know... Uh, you know, we're all very orb sceptical in the team. That's something we do all agree on. Uh, we're not going to get excited at pieces of dust. This was a different shape. It had a very definite trajectory and speed. It was falling very quickly in a very definite direction that was kind of um, a vector of horizontal and vertical. Um and, you know, we all have our own ideas. We all have our own is. ideas on that. But, you know, it was just that kind of thing that could provoke a bit of discussion because it, and it was dis- It looked too big to be a moth, didn't it, from what oh, I saw? Oh, I think if it had been a moth, you would have seen more blurring or movement as it moved. And the footage is real time. and The footage, yeah. So, yeah. We, so what we did, we've got uh, Ian... Ian Quigley on the team. Oh, yeah. He's a professional videographer. Um, he actually takes, you know, like real, you know, high quality. He's amazing. Uh, he's yeah. so amazing, good. Ian. <laughs> he edits all our videos for us. He's an absolute hero. Uh, this this particular piece of uh, capture had been done on, on Kim's camera. But Ian, um, so what Ian did was he took the original speed footage and then he slowed it down, I think, by 33%. Mm. And then he did a bit of a zoom in as well so you could get nice. a better look at it. Um and it, it was just something that was nice to share with the people on the page, just so that it could provoke some discussion amongst, you know, the, the the fans on the page as well. So so they could feel involved with some of the things that we see and and we could get their opinion mm. as well. Could have been a miniature moth man. Could have been, could have been. It could have been a bit of cat fur, but, you know, <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> that's what we do. Well, we will actually never know. That's, that's the thing. We mm. will But doesn't know. that frustrate you? Because it frustrates me. And that's that's kind of why I started Occam's Razor in a way, because I get annoyed not having all the answers. Do you know what I mean? We, that's but what gets I, me excited. I love really? the fact that you can't, you, can, you know, you can feel like you're getting closer to it, but then something happens and you, I mean, so I'll go off on one here because it's kind of my 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 passion. But as a scientist, um, you you can't know. You can you can kind of feel like you're getting closer to it, but there is just no definitive answer. And and the more you do it, the more you realise that you don't know. And I think what frustrates me as somebody with a scientific background is that there are scientists out there that will say, you know, there are no such thing as ghosts. Okay, well, that's actually very arrogant of you. Uh, We don't know enough about the nature of the universe to be able to establish that. And also they're assuming ghosts are, you know, evidence of the afterlife and, and, you know, that sort of stuff, aren't they? As opposed to you know, well, like a stone tape theory or something yeah, like that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, our, our our senses as human beings are evolved to facilitate the survival of our species, to, to, pro, pro, to allow us to propagate our own genes. Our, you know, our sense of sight, sound, taste, hearing, touch, all of those things are designed to help us find food, to find mates, to avoid predation, to keep safe, warm, all of that kind of stuff. Are they really giving us 
a true picture of the universe. Mm. Can we really see everything that is available? So we can see a tiny percentage of the electromagnetic spectrum. Mm. We can hear a tiny range of frequencies. There's Mm. so much that our bodies can't even detect. Because frequencies get mentioned a lot when when talking of possible explanations for spirits and stuff like that, don't they? Like, you know, the people... Proponents of theories that you know we everything's run on a frequency, effectively, you know, and, and that's what we're running on. Then we start heading down that sort of glitch in the matrix kind of territory as well, and stuff oh, like yes, that. Sir. But I mean, for me, ghosts. Uh, what when I say ghosts, see, this is this thing again, right? For me, people are seeing something. Okay. I don't think it's all made up. I don't think it's all sleep paralysis. I don't think it's something because just because people have seen them since the beginning of time. Yeah. Okay. It's not a new phenomenon. It's just that the phenomenon now is. cultures. It encompasses. This is the thing. All cultures. This is the thing. So people are seeing something. I'm not a spiritual person, so I'm, I'm automatically going to take the opinion that I'm looking at some sort of replay of the past. How that happens is an interdimensional shift, which is obviously cool. Mm. Is it a replay of past events where the energy has been somehow harnessed and then replayed again? Mm. Um, or is it just a trick of the light? You know, who knows? But there's just um, – that's that's what – fascinates me, but I would just really like an end point because I'm getting so close. <laughs> I'm getting so close. You've obviously seen the, the UFO disclosures and stuff this week. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, we're getting close with that, so why can't yeah, we do the same with ghosts? That's interesting, yeah, we'll, isn't we'll it? Try. I, I, keep, we'll try. We'll hurry up. Yeah, if you wouldn't mind. I'm not sure that the, the CIA and the Pentagon actually have a paranormal division. But <laughs> I wouldn't put it past them. I you reckon they know. might have tried in the past. Probably, yeah. Um, they have, haven't they? Because they did experiments with remote viewing. They did, and, yeah, but uh, it yeah, didn't work. And that's psychokinesis <laughs> and all. In fact, um, you can search the CIA database yeah. for all sorts of things, astral travel, and there's, yes, there's a lot they, of stuff on there. They apparently have done quite a lot of research yeah. on it. And, um, well, they reckon in Area 51 there's, you know, a few. Yeah, I mean, that remote viewing is interesting with the, with the CIA because it's um, – and, you know, if it worked, it would be a hell of a tool, wouldn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> and, they could use. Um, and, and that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, if it did work, and, and people have said, you know, during near-death experiences, you know, they've they've looked down and they've seen that there's a, a sock on top of this cupboard and there's that and, mm. you know, mm. these things have happened. But And and I, ha- I do actually know of people who say that this has happened. But as as you say, I mean, surely if it was that, if it was possible and it was that easy to do, the this, likes of the CIA, the, the scientists would be using it. I think a lot of, um, when they, when they, the operation was a paperclip when they took with the Nazi scientists and, and basically repatriated them into the... U.S. industrial, military industrial complex, and they ended up working for Lockheed and stuff like that. They were, the Nazis were involved with remote viewing, amongst other things. You know, they were up to all sorts of crazy stuff, Heinrich Himmler and weird castles and all this sort of thing. Um, I think it's one of those things where they they brought a lot of these crazy ideas with them, um, these scientists. They came across to the U.S. um, The CIA said, yeah, hey, the Nazis have been 
working, trying to work out, you know, die glocker and time travel and remote viewing and all this sort of carry on. Why don't we give it a dig? And then they realised that it probably didn't work and then just stopped. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, I... The fascinating part is they even tried. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, but why that, wouldn't that's, you? that's really Why cool. wouldn't you try, you know? That's really cool. If they'd already Very done... a valuable it. tool. If it, if exactly. I mean, I, I have to tell you that, you know, obviously I get involved, involved in kind of weirder stuff than, than some of the team <laughs> because of my background in, in the craft. But... Um, I mean, I've cleansed properties remotely. I've cleansed properties from photos of the property. How do you do that? A, can you, can a, you let us know? Um, how do I anyway? do that? <laughs> uh, there's, there's kind of various methods in which you would do that, one of which is astral projection, so you actually physically, not physically, <laughs> astrally, put your presence into a location in which you've never physically been. Nice. Um, so that's some sort of dragon star stuff, isn't it? Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, yeah that's kind of real avatar Airbender, weird. Um. I remember a book, um, I think it was by the guy Dragonstone, he, he tells you to sit in a chair basically and there's a, next to you is a keypad and you basically just key in where you want to go, you know, time, space and blah, 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 and you actually project. Is that kind of how it works with you? Mm, not really. I mean, you, you're not, obviously you can't physically move your body there. Um, you have to move your consciousness there. Yeah. Um, the most remote place that I've done from New Zealand is... Uh, in a little tiny island north of Scotland. Uh, that was through my work with... Like the, out of Hebrides or the Orkney or yeah, something yeah, like that? Yeah, ra- around that area. Mm. So um, Wanted New Zealand are actually part of the Warren Legacy Foundation. What's the Warren Legacy Foundation? So the Warren Legacy Foundation is an organisation that was set up by a chap called Chris McKinnell. Uh, now, he has a really interesting background. He is the grandson of... Uh, the very famous demonologists, Ed and Lorraine Warren. Sure. Um, You'd know Ed and Lorraine Warren from their work with um, the Amityville House, the Enfield um, Poltergeist. If you've watched the Conjuring movie, um, Annabelle as well. The, Do you know uh, I've never seen it? Or the Conjuring 2, I haven't seen that oh, no, the Conjuring, are, the Conjuring are actually worth watching. They, they are good films. Are they good? Yeah, yeah, right. they're good, they're good. I actually watched The Haunting in Connecticut the other day, which is supposed to be based on one of their cases, but I've read the book and the film has nothing to do with it. Mm. Don't watch Watch the haunting in Connecticut. <laughs> do you hear that, everyone? Don't, <laughs> Don't watch, watch it. Don't watch it. I mean, yeah, it's just got nothing to do with what actually happened. Yeah. So he set up, uh, obviously, Ed and Lorraine Warren are, are sadly no longer with us, but uh, they helped an awful lot of people who were suffering with paranormal problems. So he set up the Warren Legacy Foundation as an international foundation to gather groups of paranormal investigators to help people who were suffering with the paranormal in their homes. So Haunted New Zealand are part of that. Um, And I have been called in to consult on international cases and and to help there. So one of the cases that I've been working on is is in this remote island north of Scotland. Lots of stuff going on there, um, you know, terrible activity, kind of, you know, what you would usually considered as sort of poltergeist activity, things being thrown around, children not sleeping, um, that kind of thing. But I've, I've gone in there and um, actually done remote um, cleansings and clearings, which have helped to re- reduce the activity in that place. I mean, you know, obviously it's not as good as me being there in person, but it does help. Uh, I actually went in there something like five nights in a row and I didn't tell them that I'd gone in there. But then the, there was one night I wasn't able to do it. And the next day I had an email going, it was really, really bad last night. You know, the, the cats were freaking out. Stuff was getting thrown around. The kids were waking up, screaming about the bad man in their room. And it was it was interesting that without knowing what I was doing, um, which was deliberate, we, we didn't want them to know what, what we were 
um, performing in the place just so as not to add to any fear. Um, it, it just kind of did seem to coincide with what they were experiencing. How do you like dial it in, um, you know, sort of remotely? Lack of a bit of time. I really need to have a, a photograph, a photograph of the property. Um, I, I also really like uh, like a, a satellite view, like Google Maps, because then I can kind of cover a wider area around that property as well. Um, so, and I, I use those as a focal point to project my consciousness to um, before I perform a cleansing. Nice. It's very hard to explain. I've got no powers, so anyone with powers just, you know, it's I'm more interested. really interesting because uh, Karen did a, a popped into Kim's house, one of our team members, one night, and Kim, although she didn't know that Karen was going to do this, um, Kim is a sensitive and she knew that Karen was there. She yes. had a real sense. Really? She knew. That Karen she said something's, there. I mean, we were messaging each other and she said, Something, something's changed. What's, what's happened? I was like, I can, she said, I can tell something's here. I said, oh, that's me. <laughs> Just out of interest, how well do you know her? Like how long have you known oh, her for? Gosh, probably, I don't know, seven years, seven something like years. that, yeah, yeah, seven or eight years. You see where I'm going, don't you? You know, we become familiar with people and you, you sort of on their wavelength. Does that- I've never physically been to her house okay. and I have to say that I've never remotely dropped into her house either. So, and she didn't know that I was going to do it. Um, so she wouldn't have expected it. No. Um, and I, yeah, I'd never physically been there, so I couldn't have kind of guided myself mm. through knowledge of having been there. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, it doesn't prove anything, but it was it was just one of those things that, you know, it was interesting that she observed a change. My- and her, ch- her, her child woke up at the same time yes, that, exactly. I, that I turned up in the house as well. Now, my mother used to astral project. Um, it's not something that I, I do, have ever done. I've tried, tried it because my auntie um, used to have a pyramid in her backyard. So, ah, okay. yeah, that side of the family is sort of a bit, bit, <laughs> bit out there. <laughs> but um, I knew about it from, from her and I, I tried it a couple of times, but I yeah. don't know. Yeah. I didn't quite take off. My mother used to go to my sister's house and my niece would always know. My niece would wake up when her nana would arrive and she would explain it to her mother and say, nana came, I would hear like a wind and I'd open my eyes and nana would be here. And then, um, so my sister would ring my mother and, yeah, sure enough, mum would say, yep, I visited last night or and vice versa you know she would um visit and tell my sister and then my niece would you know later after school say oh by the way nana was here so so there's something to it i'm sure there is we're traveling to sort of a celestial plane different dimension is that how it works yeah absolutely okay so you travel within the subconscious your subconscious to and you project yourself somewhere else? How does it work? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if you'd call that subconscious. I mean, I'm certainly conscious. It's, I mean, it's called astral travel, so, so, yeah. so the idea is that it's on the astral plane, which is a, a dimension which overlaps with our own, but sure. which, which we're not physically aware of, which we can't sense in, in the normal state of consciousness. And, yeah, so we just lit, I would literally project my consciousness to, so my body would physically remain where it is at mm-hmm. rest. Um, in a very relaxed state, but my mind, my consciousness would be elsewhere. Do you have to go into a um, state of meditation to do it? Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely something that requires an altered state of consciousness to do. 
Turn, we should some street, big noise. Big noise outside. <laughs> that's right. Some late night bogans and howl. Like <laughs> that's right. Um, well, that's all fascinating. I'd, I'd like to have you back on again, actually, just to just to talk astral projection and that sort of stuff. That'd yeah, be really interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um, Barbara, we touched on Waverly Hills earlier. I was just going to um, ask you, no pun intended, what's your favourite haunts around the world? Obviously, Waverly Hills is up there. Um, Waverly Hills is definitely up there, but probably my favourite haunted town um, was Tombstone in Arizona. Nice. Um, there are just so many haunted areas there or um, buildings and places that are supposedly haunted. We visited the bootleg cemetery. That's where that awesome picture is, yes, isn't it, with a yes. guy coming up from the yeah. ground? Yeah. Yeah, and that was... Um, that was a very interesting place. I mean, I don't know if it's haunted. I know it's where that photo was taken. There's actually a little bit of uh, scepticism that that is whether that's actually a tourist attraction or whether mm. it's a real cemetery. I wouldn't rule it out. But yeah. yeah, exactly. Or they made it for the movie Tombstone. Yeah, yeah. I've heard very that as possibly. well. Mm. But it was a very interesting place to visit. Um, and I do know that that is how they the cemeteries do look down that way because while we were travelling, I, I quite like visiting. Cemeteries, um, and but each also, to their own. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> my poor husband. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody bothers you. But yeah, sure. probably my my all time favourite um, is the town of Tombstone, the Queen Mary nice. at Long Beach. Yep. Is also we've actually been there a couple of times. That's supposed to be Spook so Central, amazing. isn't it? Yeah, mm. so amazing. I actually managed to find a way. The strangest thing, um, they closed the the swimming pool, which is like mecca to spirit. Ghost hunters, basically. There was a TV show, and they did an investigation there yeah, around yeah. that swimming pool. Yep, yeah, exactly. Well, they do a ghost tour that you can go in and look at the swimming pool, and that was okay. But it was a whole heap of other people with me, and it's like, yeah, no. Yeah. Um, and then I believe it or not, I found a way in through the back of the um, art studio. Why should I be saying this? <laughs> did you leave it? <laughs> did you leave mid to No, no, oh. no. We, because we, it's really good. If you are staying at the Queen Mary at the, at like, 7 o'clock, all the tourists leave. The restaurants are open till maybe 9 o'clock, but they close as well. And so slowly, you know, people drift away and it's only the people who are staying on the boat. And then we've got the whole place to ourselves. The ghost geeks come out then. Yeah, exactly. But through the day, I actually happened to be walking through, having a look through the art gallery. It was there, and this was the first time we went. It's changed now, so don't bother having a look. But there was this curtain at the back, and I'm thinking, that could go actually like the swimming pool must be right behind this wall. So I stuck my head around the back of the curtain and discovered it was it was the swimming <laughs> really? pool. Really? So I said to Stuart. So why they curtained it off? Just to stop people going in, I guess. They were just, it seems to be in a constant state of renovation. Okay. Every time we go, they're renovating a new area. And ghosts don't like that, I've heard, right? Well, yeah, mm. apparently. Mm. And um, and my husband and I, we kind of have this this terrible affliction where we get lost a lot and just accidentally go through, <laughs> you know, an open door that yep. where people happen to be working. You but, spirited your way in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and they're very nice when they find us. Yeah. <laughs> they just kind of walk us back to the main corridor. Did you did you go to Gettysburg? 
Yes, we went to Gettysburg. Loved Gettysburg. Um, the the problem with Gettysburg is it's too big. Yeah, you would need two weeks to just go through that battlefield properly. Yeah, we um, we stayed at this really neat. It was a bed and breakfast in Gettysburg, which had been a field hospital, and the stories around this particular building were absolutely. Was amazing. that the one where the blood appears on the floor? I and then disappears? Possibly. I, mm. It's not something I would really... I was more interested in the stories that, you know, the legs were piling up outside the lounge windows <laughs> because they were literally just... The nice stories. ...carrying, yeah, carrying the, the, the injured men in and operating in the front room and then out the side windows they would just throw the body parts. Um, <laughs> they didn't have any um, curbside recycling then, did they? <laughs> no. 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 So just chuck it. Gettysburg... Also, just an amazing place to visit, but you need a lot of time to do it, and it's really busy. We probably went at the wrong time of year because it was like in June or July or something. Yes, yeah, mm. exactly. And there were a lot of people there. It would be really nice to go back at a little bit quieter time um, where there's lot not lots of tourists. But that whole area is um, you can actually just go and spend time in some location and just kind of watch it go dark and do your own research and do a you know your own EVP session and just e- either way you get some cool pics and stuff oh, like that when absolutely, you're absolutely that's cool Karen somewhere in the UK your your favorite oh, place to God. investigate well um What's the spookiest place you've been in the UK? In the, my house, actually. Oh. <laughs> the place I grew up in. Was Chisel, what about Chiselhurst Caves? Really I went there spooky. once. Do you find that spooky? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, very. I'm not going back there again. Really? It's really? That, Chatham Dockyards in Kent. Um, that had a strange feel to it, definitely okay. for me. Um, I went to 50 Barclays Square once where um, a very famous Ghost is supposed to inhabit it. It used to be called the most haunted house in, in London, but I think a lot of it's artistic license on yeah, on that one because there was a song about it and there was a play. Yeah, and, it's always yeah. a, a most yeah. haunted somewhere around. There's Absolutely. very few places that I have to say have really kind of given me the heebie-jeebies and freaked me out. Um um, and probably one of the spookiest ones was actually in New Zealand, right? uh, just down the road from here, in fact. Uh, Barbara and I did a, an overnight investigation together at uh, Howick Historical Village. Nice. And we, Puhanui, was it? Just, yeah, just, just Barbara. Just Barbara and I, we were locked <laughs> overnight in Puhanui House. Mm. And uh, i, I got to tell you, that place has got some really weird vibes, particularly upstairs. Does. I went there in the summer um, just because I work for the local newspaper here. And um, I went down and did a story on something or other. And I went in there. I kind of snuck off from the, um, if she's listening. I didn't, sorry, Chrissy, I didn't sneak off. But <laughs> I did sneak off and I just explored Punui a little bit myself. Uh, There's no one else in it. Middle of the day, nice day outside, a bit of wind. Mm. Uh, odd odd vibes in there. Really, Very really strange place, eh? Really odd. Um, yeah. Brilliant. Beautiful, beautiful historical book. Village. You can feel the Great history in it, though, you know what I mean? Definitely. I mean, we, mm. you know, upstairs in the bedroom that's supposed to be Sarita's bedroom, you just didn't feel like you were supposed to be there. I, I felt like I was intruding and 
Um, it was just that sense of, you know, you really shouldn't be there. You know, if you stay here too long, something bad's going to happen. You should, like, you should probably go. It, it's, <laughs> to me, it sort of felt upstairs in Sarita's, what we called Sarita's room. Um, it just felt like there was someone else in the room and they were furious with us. It, it, you know, it was just... Yeah. Maybe Sarita feeling. was trying to sleep. Maybe, they, maybe. They'd only just got her down for the, day, for the night <laughs> or something. We, we got woken, well, I got woken up very early in the morning. The sun was just coming up and there was some very loud footsteps right over our head. And uh, we were sleeping downstairs in the main kind of living area. These huge footsteps came across the living room and I tried to wake Barbara up so that she could hear them. Barbara, Barbara, wake up, wake up. And she was she she sleeps like the dead. So I reached across and touched her. They were <laughs> almost gave her a heart attack. <laughs> You're sleeping in a haunted house and suddenly and someone, grabs someone you. touches you. And, yeah, I was awake. <laughs> we, we got some good uh, audio captures there as well. There was a, we captured a man's yeah, yeah. voice and there was no we man had in the house. Some amazing EVPs really good. out of out of there. So, nice. Yeah. All right, well, thanks for coming in, guys. Um, and everyone check out hauntednz.com uh, for all your paranormal needs. That was Occam's Razor episode 35. Thanks a lot.